Well, hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson coming at you on Sunday night. We're recording this. Uh, brutal game, obviously. Um, the. But isn't this what we thought? You know, like, I understand everyone's upset, but didn't this exact thing, what we talked about all week, that's not excusing the loss or the poor offense or a lot of issues that are with this football team overall. But this was what we expected. So it's funny that everyone's up in arms that we got what we play, you know, planned for. I mean, this was going to be that type of game. Now, I think it's particularly telling in this one, the, the halftime stats versus the final stats. So I'm going to start there with some comments. And then I have a ton of bullet points after that I want to dig into. So this was big to me. In the first half, Thompson Robinson was 13 of 19 for 98 yards. Yeah, you know, nothing great. But the ball came out of his hands in less than 2.2 seconds in the first half. That was impressive by the Browns. That was working by the Browns. To me, the Steelers were too late to react to, they're not going to throw the ball down the field. You know, they're going to pick on any matchup they have in their favor, which personnel-wise, they had a lot in terms of their pass catchers or really NFL's, any NFL team's pass catchers against the back seven we saw the Steeler team. And the Steelers were playing too far off. DTR's getting out of his hands. Quick reads, first reads, boom, move a six. Big. Meanwhile, in the first half, Kenny is five for eight for 34 yards. The team as a whole has 15 passing yards at halftime. <laughs> At that point, too, Najee has five carries for 23. Warren has three for 19. Eh, not great, but the beginning of something, maybe. At that point, Ford has 10 for 35. It's tough sledding on the ground. Najoku's obviously being featured, as I told you he would be. At the half, he's got four for 34. And Fryermuth, upon his return, has no targets at that point. First downs in the first half is 13 to 4 in the Browns' favor. Third downs, the Browns were just were four of eight. Very nicely done by them. One of five for the Steelers. Awful. Sacks, none for the Steelers. Again, the ball's coming out in 2.1 seconds. I think there was a point where sacks were almost an impossibility. Browns had two for 19. And as I warned and expected, the Browns outsnapped the Steelers 37 plays to 22. That's a massive discrepancy in one half of football. And they had 99 more yards in the Steelers, 163 to 64. Yards per play weren't great for Cleveland, 4-4, but they were terrible for the Steelers, 2-9. Time of possession, as you would imagine, 17-29 to 12-31. And my couple little notes at halftime. Will the Steelers offense score today? Will the Steelers score today? I thought a shutout was very possible. Now, I wasn't far off when it was all said and done, but I thought a shutout at halftime was very possible. And then how many first read completions does DTR have? Is every one of his completions a first yard, you know, first read one? Design, get the ball out, go where it's supposed to go. Your guy's better than the Steelers guy. Boom. Could even have more if he was a more accurate passer. Like, I'm thinking if 
In his prime, Joe Burrow is picking apart that secondary to complete every one. Horrendous back seven is my last note. So, you remember those stats, final stats, points, 13-10, favored Cleveland. And DTR ended up with just 165 yards, 24-43, much different in the second half. Zero touchdowns, one interception. But Pickett, not any better. 15 of 28 for 106 yards. No picks, great. No inter- no touchdowns, again. It took that last desperate pass that was going to be the Stanford play, pitch it back, for him to get over 100 yards passing on the day. It's just not NFL quarterback. It just isn't. Ford and Hunt combined for 24 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. Take that all day long. Warren had nine carries for 129. That's 74-yard touchdown, but only nine carries. Kind of get it because he can only run so many plays, and he only ran three times in the first half. But he was the best player on the field for the Steelers and wasn't even close, and he had nine carries. That's not great. Najee finishes the game 12 for 36. I didn't think he was bad, but they do need to complement each other. But Warren's the better player. 15 targets to Najoku. Only caught seven for 56. Could have been much worse. Many skipped off his hands. Many were not thrown particularly accurately. Um, That was a matchup that they clearly were going to feature. 15 targets for Najoku. That's rare for a tight end. But he's abusing linebackers and safeties that are backup caliber players. Pickens and Johnson combined for 13 targets, which doesn't sound bad in a nutshell. Five catches, 42 yards. He's... That's a great defense they played. I think it's the best defense. Those two are two good of football players that combine for 42 yards on 13 targets. Fact. End of story. That's it. One sack by the Steelers. Second week in a row, the pass rush has been, eh, no one's going to question it, but it wasn't great. Backup offensive tackles that people's never heard of. Now, the ball came out super quick. I get that. And after a while, it's just, let's try to bat this thing down. Don't let him run. One sack. That's your bread and butter. That's where your money's at. That's where your stars are. First downs, 12 for the Steelers, 20 for Cleveland. Third down conversions, 3 of 14. You got 14 times you got the third down. Yuck. You can only convert three of them. Really yuck. Cleveland, you at least forced them to snap the ball on third down 17 times, and they only converted four of them. You'll take that. That's a lot of third down snaps. That's what he's, which, what you want in this league. And they both were one and one on fourth downs. Total plays, 73 to 57. Once again, this is a Steeler problem. This is the way the Browns operate. You can't run that many more plays and expect to win. Total yards, though, were only 10 different, 249 to 259. Yards per play was 4-4 for the Steelers. It's not great, but you'll take it. But if you subtract the Warren run, it goes down to 3-1. I'm not big on, let's take the best thing out. But that was one big play. The rest of the day was at 3-1. Cleveland was at 3-5. Only 77 net passing yards for the Steelers, though. 77. I mean, that's when you factor in sacks, things like that. But they produced 77 yards when they dropped back in this game. 77 yards per pass. 
2.5 for the Steelers. Every pass attempt got them 2.5 yards, which is horrendous. Browns weren't all that much better. 3-7. Terrible. Rushing yards, 172. I mean, even if you subtract the Warren run, that's a nice day. Browns at 96. You hold the Browns to under 100. You'll take that. Penalties. Six for 46 for the Steelers. One for the Browns all day. Yeah. Did I think there was a ton of stuff that could have been called that wasn't? No. But it's awfully rare for a team to have one penalty for 10 yards over the course of the game, especially when you snap the ball as much as they did on offense. Just saying. Time of possession, of course, favored Cleveland, but not as dramatically as you might think. 31-27 to 28-33. All right, I'm going to be back in a minute here with more commentary and less stats, just some stuff to talk about. Lots of stuff to talk about, and we'll keep that up. I'll be back in a moment. Now, I do a uh, pregame hit every week with the Steeler broadcast, you know, on TV and all that. And I go on about an hour before the game, check it out. It's always good stuff, you know, sitting there talking to Jerry Dulac and Mike Pursuta, good dudes. But right before I go on is Missy Matthews, and she reports from the field, you know, like what she's seeing, what she's hearing. And she kind of went out of her way to be like, Boy, you know, we're about an hour before the game, and there aren't many Sealer fans here. And this place is lubed up more than the usual Browns crowd. Just going to let you know that this was a very difficult environment to play. It was. I mean, they were fired up, and it was all brown and orange. Colors I wore one day. Brutal environment. Just keep that aware. And this is a great Browns defense. I think it's the best defense in the league. The Niners are right there with them. But this is a really hard defense to play against. It has a lot of matchups in their favor. But Kenny was horrific. I thought he was really terrible. And I think you at least have to have the conversation of, does Kenny start against the the Bengals? You know, you can't leave that many throws on the field. You can't be that rattled. Was that his worst game in the NFL? Maybe. Not when you adjust for defense, probably, because, again, that's one of the best defenses he's ever faced, if not number one. But he, of course, wasn't alone in the problems. I thought the protection was really bad. Really bad. I mean, starting with the first play that I thought should have been a safety, but either way, um, never went deep. Neither team did. Neither team trusted their protection at all. At all. And I think it didn't take too long, but maybe took too long before all the coaches realized that, that the opponents are not going to throw the ball down the field. But the Steelers also had really bad blitz pickup. And I didn't think Kenny handled that particularly well, but it was more the protection schemes were very, very poor picking up blitzes in this game. No middle of the field passing. I mean, his pass charts now from the last three games, three or four, three, are 
zero throws between the numbers, basically. He had one attempt in this game between the numbers. One attempt. Completed it for 11 yards. You have to threaten more blades of grass. I mean, this is driving me crazy like last year. Like, all we talked about in the offseason is more in-breaking routes, attack the middle of the field, look like they were conscientiously doing that. A lot of times he just doesn't pull the trigger on those throws, but everything's outside the numbers or in the flats. Everything. I mean, like every throw. They had 53 passing yards in the first three quarters. And it wasn't like fourth quarter Kenny came to the rescue. I mean, he had three incompletions that ate up like 14 seconds at the clock at a key time. This team has zero traditional drop back passing game. And this this game still forces you to do that at times. I'm not saying old school Bledsoe seven-step drop or even from under center, but traditional routes, drop back, passing game, throwing the football from the pocket. It was horrible today. What else was horrible and really has been for a while is their screen game. Really bad in the screen game. And I think people read it because so many throws are to that area of the field. But they don't execute screens well at all. I don't think they sell them well at all. Jalen Warren was tremendous. We talked about this before. He's been tremendous for a while. In a way, he's been tremendous since he's come into the league. I mean, every opportunity he's basically gotten, he thrives. He had more yards than the rest of the offense combined. I'm not trying to overstate this. I think he's actually one of the better running backs in the league right now. In the league. I mean, his efficiency numbers as a receiver are bonkers. He's been tremendous as a ball carrier. I mean, it's just everything about him right now is tremendous. I mean, he's really, really been good. Again, I, I think we talked about this. The first reads early for DTR, he only attempted three passes, 10, 10 or more yards downfield, Browns in total. The, the Steelers really began to sit on his short routes in the second half. But I thought it took too long. I mean, shouldn't that have been the plan coming out? You know, make him throw the ball down the field, make them protect. I'm not sure if Cam Hayward's 100% yet but he is a force versus a run. I also thought Roberts was also quite good, mostly in a downhill fashion, but playing high snaps. I didn't see him get picked on a ton. And that was promising because he's going to have to be close to a 100% snap guy now. Again, very difficult environment, loud, but communication was not good. 12 men on the field, numerous occasion, some wasted timeouts. Communication on both sides of the ball seemed, we'll just say, challenging and problematic. Bad day from Harvin, especially the way he finished this game. Two really bad punts. One was just a flat-out shank when you needed it most. The inconsistency with this guy is starting to be hard to tolerate. Now, Early in the game, not only were they just throwing short, but the Browns also threw the kitchen sink at the Steelers. I mean, in terms of rotating right tackles, 
a wide variety of personnel groupings, a wide variety of formations, wildcat, everything. I mean, sort of desperate, basically, <laughs> you know, let's just try everything odd that we can do that they surely didn't practice for now, nor could they really in this situation. And they just Steelers off balance early. I mean, Steelers defense, like, what are these guys doing? I mean, that was my feeling. Not that they were converting big plays, but they were getting a lead, you know, no matter how, what it took. Any strange play you can throw at them. Now, here's some numbers that are frightening, that are just numbers. <laughs> this is an opinion. Over the last four games, Pickett is averaging 116.3 passing yards per game and has just one touchdown and is averaging eight point or four point eight yards per attempt. He has six passing touchdowns this year. That's what he's done. I mean, that's not NFL quarterbacking. George Pickens has been targeted 20 times over the last four games. He has 10 catches for 106 yards, averaging 26 and a half yards receiving per game over the last month. 26 and a half. Deontay Johnson over the last two games has been targeted 12 times but has three catches for 33 yards against the Browns and Packers. Now, I will say that this was the epitome of it, but the Steelers have faced basically the hardest slate of defenses in the entire league. None harder today, none in a harder environment. That has to be addressed. I mean, that has to be taken account for. It's not an excuse. But not everyone has the same path in this league. You don't play 162 games and it all balances out. They have played nasty defenses, especially today. Take it for what you want. I mean, call me a Steeler apologist, a picket lover, whatever, but that's a fact. So a couple little notes from around the league that you probably know by now, though. The Browns are now sitting pretty with this win. And I would have said that about either team, at least mathematically. You know, getting this win in division, in conference, is massive just from a standings position to get in the playoffs, win the division standpoint, humongous. The Chargers now look cooked. They're four and six. I never thought the Raiders were a competitor, but they're five and six. I'm going to call them cooked as well. They stink. Texans are in great shape, just kind of sitting back at six and four with a really easy schedule ahead of them. And the Bills, in very impressive fashion, are now 6-5 and five and have outscored their opponents by a bazillion. So, they have an awful schedule, but maybe the Bills aren't done. Maybe they've dug themselves quite a hole. But they're a better team than the Steelers. I mean, they're a better team than the Browns. I think they're a better team than Houston. So, we'll talk more about all that stuff. It's Thanksgiving week. Not sure exactly what my schedule is. I'm sure I won't have a Thursday podcast, but probably four of them for you. And we'll recap this uh, game more tomorrow when I dig in. Thanks. Take care. Take care.